Yeah, it's goofy to think that anybody's undecided at this point. Nobody with an ounce of sense is undecided on this election. Either you want more of this shit or less of this shit with a different squad and can't say that everything's going to be vastly better immediately, but with this we won't be told to drink bleach and uh, hopefully we'll get contact tracing. And won't be told that we're just going to learn to live with COVID. Yeah, he literally said that, apparently, and uh, Biden replied, people are learning to die with it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he also sarcastically made fun of Trump, because uh, Senate supporters said something like, transmission rate from teachers and students is very, very low. And then Biden was like, hey, you teachers out there, not that many of you are going to die from it. Oh, please. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's good to know that uh, his uppers are working tonight. Whatever whatever they've got him on to keep him going is working and Trump's are running out. It's kind of well to think that we've got two drugged up old men kept alive by, you know, necromancy to uh, run Do our country. Do you believe that, that, that Biden's being given drugs? Cause that's, that's something that Trump put out there. No, not really. But honestly, I don't care. It doesn't matter. Like, mm-hmm. I've, I've voted, and I don't have to watch this shit show. I will catch the uh, highlights after this in- ends, and I'm mm. sure there will be plenty of tweets from a million people on my timeline, but I'm yeah. not. So I'm... this is South Podcast, episode 478, is yeah, it? Yeah, or... uh, Tubin. <laughs> Tubin. Tubin with Tubin. <laughs> you know, we, wow, we... that story's already out of the news, I think. It's... God, it's it out. <laughs> it's it's so hilarious. Like that guy started whipped his dick out on a work call, and then immediately Rudy Giuliani's bit with the new Borat movie happened and blew it out of the water. Yeah, where it's like Jeffrey Tubin whipped his dick out on a Zoom call, but holy shit, here's Rudy Giuliani doing the same thing in a movie. With Borat, Sasha Baron Cohen rolling in going, no, no, she's 15. She's too old for you. Yeah. (laughs) Like, that guy should count his fucking lucky stars that that happened because making fun of a dude with his weird dick. I don't know if he has a weird dick or not. Reportedly has a weird dick, but I'm not looking for it. Mm -hmm. But he thought he turned off his camera, but he had not. But also, like, let he who has not played pocket hockey in the work bathroom cast the first stone yeah oh i don't really think that should be a thing either because like oh, i don't know i mean i would worry about getting caught you know oh yeah like i'm not gonna say i never did it but i'm pretty sure i didn't you know it's i've worked a lot of places and i'm pretty sure that i've never been too horny at a work you know mm-hmm. but yeah that whole bit with giuliani and making shit up the Tubin stuff, you're right. It's completely out of the cycle. It doesn't matter. It was a dude. I almost forgot about it already. <laughs> I the, do like it as a euphemism. You know, if you're jerking off at work, you're Tubin. <laughs> you know, I gotta say, this is erasure of the classic arcade game where you are floating down a river throwing cans at shit. You know, now it's about <laughs> some bald dude jacking it. But man, the other thing this week that Julie, that probably the reason why the Giuliani dick thing pushed everything out of the the other dick thing out of the news cycle is that they've been pushing so hard with this Hunter Biden email thing that has rapidly been shown to be just 
complete bullshit. And it's like, all right, some of these emails are real. But then you're also trying to imply that Hunter Biden flew 3,000 miles to drop off three laptops at a legally blind computer repair shop and only paid the guy $85 and never came to reclaim them. And then he took the hard drives, went through them and found that all of his evil plans, apparently. And then, oh, wait, also, there's some child pornography. I've held on to this for six months and sent it around, but there's child pornography on this. So I've been distributing it. There's not child pornography on it. It's completely fabricated bullshit that they're trying their damnedest. So Giuliani having his pants around his ankles, almost, metaphorically, but his hand in his pants, literally, really was like, Jesus Christ, look at this dumbass. Nobody is going to be swayed by this at this point, I'm pretty sure. Like, there's... Some people looking for a fake-ass excuse to vote for Trump again, I'm sure, but I don't think that anybody with a spare brain cell looks at this and goes, yeah, seems legit. I want four more years of this bullshit because the former vice president's son might have done business in the Ukraine or something. Like, I don't even know what the crux of their deal is. It's just... They're emails. Well, they're, yeah, like I think the the general idea was that his son was on the board of some company in Ukraine while Joe was VP, and they claimed that he used his office as vice president to do favors for Ukraine, I guess. But like that really falls flat when it's like. I think the U.S. did fuck all for the Ukraine when they lost, you know. Part of their country, Crimea. Yeah, right. It's also it's like as a as a strategy, it's just dumb because now it's gone to oh no, the vice the the candidate's son did something shady. Nobody gives a fuck. Yeah, you know they if tried the Democrats to... went fucking hard on saying Eric Trump did something serious, that wouldn't affect. Donald's ability to get reelected. You know, nobody gives a shit. Yeah, it's like the kid's not going to do anything. He's not even really a fail son. Like they tried to paint Biden as a weirdo because there's a photo of him hugging his son and kissing him on the cheek. And they're like, does this look like a proper father son interaction? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, did your did your dad not hug you? And there's an email where apparently he's that, you know, because it's a bunch of hacked emails that Russia got and they've kind of crammed it into, you know, this fake thing where like he was emailing Joe Biden from like rehab or whatever. And uh, Joe Biden is very supportive of his druggy son. And it's oh, like, no. that's, that's a good thing. It's like, and the Republicans are like, look at this weirdo. He likes his child. <laughs> oh, is, uh, is it gay to love your children? <laughs> yeah, I guess. But it's like, if you had uh, any relationship with your father that wasn't complete toxic masculinity, then you're, you're a weirdo. And I mean, yeah, I had a relationship with mine that was completely toxic, but... I am well aware, mostly because of my husband, that it's possible to be a man and not have a bad relationship with your father. I have and, a really good relationship with my parents, and like, so yeah. people being weird about like, oh, you hug your dad? Yeah, uh, my parents. Just, I mean, it, oh, it really geez. comes down to like a difference of humanity really it's like they don't yeah they view their parents as like competition or something i admit my particular family situation growing up was probably a lot different than most but even then like i have a good healthy relationship with my parents and you know just my perspective is probably a lot different because i was homeschooled but even then like you would think when you're around your parents that much more you would have a much higher chance of just hating the shit out of them but that's totally not the case i think it's a toxic masculinity thing i think if the if it was his mother in the picture 
nobody would have said anything. But because Joe Biden is a man and he's expressing emotional fondness for his child, even as an adult, which is not like, I'm sorry, there is not a, a fucking cutoff age of parents saying I love you to their children, you know? Yeah. It's stupid and dumb. And, you know, looking at the responses, either I've done a super efficient job of blocking, which is possible because I have blocked a lot of right-wing idiots, or this completely fell flat because that that one person that pointed that out was someone I already had blocked anyway. All the replies were like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You know? Um, yeah. It, it's just such a weird tack. They're throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks, but everybody's pretty much seeing it's like everybody's fucking running out of cash. Businesses are going down left and right. Fucking 200 and something, 210,000 people are dead, plus an unknown number of uh, excess deaths. It's like mm-hmm. people don't give a shit about Joe Biden's son. They do give a shit about the fact that they lost their mom or their grandma or their uncle or their sibling or their spouse, you know? Yeah. So it's it's just flailing and like the fact that Donnie looks like he's really having a bad time. There was that thing in like uh, Pennsylvania where he was just like, nobody likes me. Nobody wants me. And then he ended his rally early. Oh, I didn't know he ended it early. I read some of the some of the comments, the things he actually said. He was like, oh, this, this the virus has totally fucked me over, basically. He was like, I have no plans to come here to Erie, Pennsylvania, but now I have to get back out here and work. So... Please vote for me. Like, it was really that bad. He's like, um, if if I don't win <laughs> Iowa, I'll never come back here. And it's like, is that a promise? Could you extend that to other states? Yeah. Like, he apparently said something about leaving the U.S. Which oh, yeah. Like, to I me, it's expect... sort of like, like, to me, it sounds like he's looking for a country without an extradition treaty. Because apparently if he doesn't win, there's like a whole shitload of pending charges. Which, to me, is ridiculous anyway you know if there's actual criminal charges against him being the president is like come the fuck on you know that's i'm sure there's some good quote-unquote reason as to why that's a thing but it really seems ridiculous in this context the line i read was that he'll face these charges when he's not president anymore and that's that's nuts to me yeah and that's also part of the reason why he's always go quote-unquote joking eight more years 12 more years i'm like motherfucker the rate you're going you're going to be dead in two whether you're president or not you could still totally pull a herman cain herman cain he could pull a herman cain before the election still at this rate like Uh you know let's let's hope that he i hope that worst case he lives through election day loses and then dies maybe he'll do that who don't know knock on wood parody in minecraft so Shifting away from the national thing, but still relating to the election, Texas has actually really got its shit together this year. So I linked a thing in the chat from the Texas Tribune. It was from yesterday. Okay. Where so far through October 21st, 5.9 million people or 34.7% of registered voters had already cast their ballot in Texas with a full 30% of that, 30.4 voting in person and 4.3 voting by mail, which that puts the total turnout almost on par with the entire early voting turnout in 2012. And not much further than that is the 2016 early voting threshold. 
there are a very large amount of places that have seen a huge amount of early voting increase. In Harris County, which is uh, where McKinney is, no, no, Harris County is is Houston, Houston. They've got 35.4 of their registered voters have already cast their ballot. In Dallas County, 34.9% have done that. And again, we're like bumping up against the entire value of early voting in Texas. Tarrant County has seen 33.1%. Bexar and Travis, which are uh, the counties down near Austin, uh, Travis County has 39.7% of registered voters. So people... Now, wow, this is amazing. Collin County, which is where McKinney is in Frisco and all that, has seen 44.8% of their registered voters already cast their ballot. People are really getting out here in Texas and voting and getting really invested like you actually have people the horrible shitbirds like john cornyn actually sweating a little bit i mean it's still a bit of a long shot to get a democrat elected to the senate in texas Mm -hmm. but the fact that cornyn actually has to sweat this is amazing and hopefully like i was i was seeing some tweets that i i would love to believe and would love to be real but i can't put faith into that Texas is now almost 50-50 in terms of, like, its chances of going. And even if there is, like, a small increase in voter turnout amongst minority groups, that could easily flip the state. And I'm like, damn, that'd be cool as hell if that actually happens. Oh, yeah. Um, like, And I, actually, this, the poll I saw, it was actually more likely that Biden will win than Cornyn will lose the Senate seat. Like, yeah. Biden and Trump were... We're dead even. But Cornyn uh, and Hagar were like 47, 41 or something like that. So Cornyn actually has more of a lead on his opponent than Trump does in the state. Uh, but they're both apparently within the, um, the margin of error. So they're both races are considered a statistical tie. Yeah, I saw a thing on... It was like Reddit R politics. It was some tracker that was like based on demographic growth. If just a small gain in overall voting participation, like uh, Biden will win with like 300 plus EVs or something like that. I'm, though finding it on our politics after the day is impossible. I should have put that in the fan chat. Or it's the... kind of like 4chan. It just moves that quickly. Well, especially, especially Reddit. I mean, Reddit posts stay, whereas 4chan posts don't. But it's just a thing where it's like, I saw this thing that seems hopeful, but I'm not putting stock into it. So everybody still needs to get out and vote if you haven't already. But that sounds nice. That projection seems cool. I'm not going to trust it until November 4th. Yeah. I mean, I've done, I've done my part. You've done yours. You know, yep. it's, it's out of our hands at this point. I really hope the adage of vote in numbers too large to be manipulated holds true. But that would definitely, if people have taken that to heart, that would definitely explain why uh, voter turnout is so high. I mean, and, you know, it could also be that the Trump people are really rallying for their boy. But, you know, there's a difference, I think. Like, I think his base is is a lot smaller, you know? Like, his base base, the people that actually really believe in him, is fairly small. And you had a lot of run-of-the-mill Republicans that would vote for anybody with an R on their name. 
2016, and you had a lot of independents swayed because of, you know, the whole Republicans are, quote-unquote, better for business. But they've seen over the last four years that that's very different. So I'll, the base will turn out for him, but I think a lot of those other people, they may not be able to bring themselves to vote for Joe Biden, so they may, sh- they may sh- just stay home if they're if they're disillusioned. And we've seen a lot of reports that a, a lot of people in the Republican Party are very disillusioned with where the party has gone. Like, long-term Republicans, people who worked for the W. Bush administration, stuff like that, are, are, are either like outright endorsing Biden or are just saying, I'm not a Republican anymore, I don't like where the party's gone. Yeah. Well, I mean, people are certainly getting energized, getting out the vote. You know, we have two branching paths off this one, one that's much shorter than the other, is that AOC and Elon Omar did a stream together on Twitch that they were playing Among Us. And AOC and Elon are pretty sus because they were doing pretty well. Um, But it was sort of a who's who of like sort of lefty streamers and AOC and those types. And like they got H-Bomber guy who mm-hmm. uh, did the Donkey Kong 64 stream and raised a bunch of money for mermaids to spite Graham Linehan. Mm-hmm. She was killed by him on stream in uh, Among <laughs> Us, which is very funny. And he was tweeting, I think I caused an international incident. But yeah. What's really neat is that AOC's debut stream peaked at over 439,000 viewers. Yeah. Making it the third highest individual stream by viewership in Twitch history, only behind Ninja and Drake's collab at 628 and Shroud's return at 500. So <laughs> that is actually really funny. You know, 2016, Hillary was like, Pokemon, go to the polls. And everybody joked about it. But this year, you know, she was out there talking about, like, getting out the vote and participating in the system and answering questions. And, like, she had a thing where she just talked real frank to H. Bomber guy about how the NHS works. He's like, well, when you're yeah. sick, you uh, go to the doctor and they get you a prescription or whatever. And she's like, wow, I can't imagine that. Like, everything I do here in the U.S. requires a a credit card. And he was like, yeah, whenever I do that, I have to go home and look up how much that would cost me in the United States. And that's how you get radicalized. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that uh, that was really good. Um, I've really enjoyed watching some of the highlights, you know, when (laughs) AOC killed somebody and tried to be like, I totally didn't do that. And then H bomber guy fucking kills her. It was fun. I enjoy seeing people have a good time, but also the messages there. It was like a fucking three-hour stream or something like that. It was just like two popular politicians being like, get out the vote, you know? Which, to me, is always a positive message, you know? Even the fuckers that are going to vote Republican, if we have higher voting participation in this country overall across the spectrum... It will be a more true reflection of where we really are as a country politically. But it's really curious that it's a little sus hmm, that all of these laws that Democrats try to pass to make voting easier and give more people access to voting are all blocked by Republicans. It's as if more people voting is bad for Republicans. And I- I wonder why that would be. Yeah. So needless to say, that was really good and was another one of those moments where, hey, Twitter is fun again, briefly, because it was people making highlights and 
like there was fan art you sent me a picture today that was like caricature h bomber guy knifing caricature aoc in their little <laughs> among us spacesuits so the other really cool thing that is goes back to you saying voting in numbers too big for them to fake is bolivia throughout the cia backed coup government Yes, uh, this right. last weekend, where they totally voted in numbers far too large for for the current coup government to fuck with. Now, this election comes on the heels of an entire year of resistance from the people and the proletariat. They have been fighting this small faction of rich fascists and Christian right-wingers in their country uh, ever since they got cooed. And... When did they get cooed again? It was about a year ago at this point. Okay. The OAS, you know, they were like, oh, you know, these these election results are looking kind of weird. There was a one-day stoppage on the, the counting, and Morales made up this 3% gap, and then yada, yada, yada. So then the military very politely told him, you need to leave or we'll kill you. He fled the country and immediately the coup government comes in, ransacks his house, kills a bunch of his supporters, kills his dog, and Morales had to flee to Mexico. And in the interim year, the people have been fighting the coup government, setting up blockades, doing work stoppages, while the coup regimes tried to do everything possible to undo the growth of anti-poverty measures in Bolivia. I actually listened to a couple podcasts on this topic because like, I didn't know much about it beyond like, yeah, the CIA totally did another coup in South America, add it to the pile. Mm -hmm. But it was interesting because I listened to one that was recorded the day before the election where the podcasters were very questioning on to even if the election was going to go forward, if there was going to be mass violence against people voting against the current government. And then the one recorded the day after with the, wow, that went fucking well, which is pretty <laughs> nice for once. Like, hey, here's some good news. Because the way that the elections work in Bolivia, based on what I, I, I heard, is that the winning party has to have a 10% lead over anybody else to gain the presidency because they have like five parties that were standing for election. Mm -hmm. And the MAS, the uh, Movement for Socialism in their country, which was mm -hmm. uh, Morales's uh, party, uh, won with like 52% of the vote. So, wow. Like, Añez, the interim president like conceded immediately because the people were like yeah if you don't give up we're just gonna get you yeah. and uh she did so unfortunately the uh current government did do a lot of damage they tried to privatize a bunch of stuff tried to sell off a bunch of mineral rights you know elon musk was out there being like we'll coup whoever we want because he wanted to get access to the lithium mining which sure, i know i saw that tweet and i was just like oh my god what a piece of shit and their, their stock took a little bit of a dive after the election and so they they took out a bunch of imf loans which is one of the big ways that the quote-unquote first world shackles the smaller developing nations via basically debt slavery yeah because oh you've taken out a bunch of imf loans now you have to play by our rules until you pay us back and it's like well global imperialism via cash you know that's so unfortunately bolivia has a lot of mess that they have to f to fix but they've also shown that through 
concentrated struggle, you can push back American imperialism, which is always a good thing because we really need to quit that shit. You know, we've only been doing it since 1920 or earlier around the world, and we've certainly been doing it since our inception with, you know, the Native American tribes. Are we the baddies? I think the answer is yes. Yeah. Um, But it is really nice to see that they didn't have to resort to the bullet box after the ballot box um, (laughs) because that country was on the verge of civil war. And it could still go to shit. Like, there's... It can always go bad, and the CIA can still pull off some shit, I'm sure. But, like, that's really emboldened the people fighting in Chile, which is another country that was cooed by the United States. Uh, They had a left-wing president, Allende, who uh, was going to do a socialism, and then the U.S. was like, actually, no. And that's how they got Pinochet and uh, 30 years of American-style neoliberalism where water is privatized and shit like that, you know? We really need to stop fucking with other countries. We really do. (laughs) Like, we need to worry about our own shit before we fuck with anybody else's shit. Yeah. Um, But the line is, fascism is when the empire turns its imperial actions back in on the home or something like that. But anyways, so congrats to Bolivia. And hopefully they can get themselves out of the hole that the United States helped dig. Yeah. I've been getting really depressed lately. About this country. Like, honestly, (laughs) I I admit that I have been in kind of a depressive state this last week. Like, nothing is fun. I don't want to play any video games. I just feel like, uh, because we're in this this liminal time where we voted. And like I said last week, we voted. We've done our part, but we have to ride the rest of this shit out. Like, Mm -hmm. just because we are voted and, you know, don't have to give a single shit about the political process related to us specifically, you know, it's still, you know, that that dread, like, what dumb shit is going to pop up in the next little bit. I mean, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm sure that they're going to, like, oh, I could guarantee you that, you know, the Q crazies are going to be like, oh, we've, you know, remember that spirit cooking thing that we talked about that was like, oh, no, oh. Hillary Clinton is eating babies. Well, it turns out Joe Biden's doing the same thing. I can guarantee they've already done that. But, <laughs> you know, this these wild-ass things that pop up with the last fucking second is... You know, at least Trump's October surprise was him catching the Rona, right? Yeah, he he wasn't kissing his son in that picture. He was, like, licking stem cells from his forehead. Oh, there we go. (laughs) Yeah, it's... it's, King of Americans is really disappointing. But then again, right now, being a a Brit would also be really disappointing. I mean, you're disappointing either way. I'm doubly disappointed. I mean, I'm still a dual citizen, so I am doubly disappointed. Um, My only fucking possibility of any kind of pride by nationality will be if Scotland says, fuck it, indie ref 2 leaves the UK and and rejoins the European Union. Then I'll be like, depending on how to handle citizenship of United Kingdom citizens at that point, I will happily be like, fuck yeah. <laughs> I'm Scott. I'm, I'm a Scottish citizen and not a United Kingdom citizen anymore. I, I'll totally opt for that. And fuck England. I, mean, <laughs> I saw a, a tweet that said, wouldn't it be cool if Ireland reunified and then formed a Gaelic union with Scotland and Wales? 
<laughs> it was basically would just be a union of all those countries except for England. <laughs> I saw a really funny Ireland. No, not you. <laughs> that was like cert, like current county Ireland, and it was like the frowny face, and then it was like reunified Ireland, and the guy was like, ah, and then like. <laughs> Every county plus Scotland, Wales, and England, Ireland, and it was the guy doing the little ah face. <laughs> it's like, what do we want? All of it, all Ireland, Great Ireland. <laughs> it's like it's their turn now, bitches. Uh, I mean, Britain's really fucked over all the other countries in the, in their own union. You know, um, it would be well and truly deserved if like. If if that happened, if everybody else unionized, <laughs> and then it would it would rain in England constantly from the other three countries pissing on them. <laughs> England would be the the nation's the union's gender neutral toilet, not just Margaret Thatcher's grave. Right. <laughs> so, oh yeah, I love. <laughs> but Donnelly round her neck and a stake through her heart so she never come back. <laughs> The other fun thing, too, is that a couple weeks ago, we talked about Jacob Wall and him catching felony charges in Michigan. He was trying to uh, basically do voter suppression via phone and was making all these calls claiming, oh, if you vote, the government's going to have your information, which is ridiculous because you have to be registered with the government to vote and they have all your information to do that. But he was trying to basically keep black voters from participating because Uh the man, like they'd hired some black person to – read the script or whatever. Well, in addition yeah. to catching a much higher bond from last week because he came in waving money around and was like trying to swag on the prosecutor and caught, you know, had to put a much bigger uh, bond up, the prosecutors are now calling in multiple people who were involved in previous schemes of his. Uh, in this case, it was they're talking about wanting to call the fake Pete Buttigieg sexual assault accuser, which basically while the primaries were going on, Jacob Law was ginning up fake, oh, this person sexually assaulted me for pretty much every single Democrat in the entire roster. Like mm-hmm. uh, they – I'm pretty sure they had one for Harris and also Buttigieg, but also – Is this was, where they – I'm a Marine, but it was before it hurt me with Femdom story came from. Yes, yes. (laughs) Where, like, turns out Elizabeth Warren is this cougar who's to whip the piss out of you. Um, (laughs) Right. So apparently they're going to do a Seinfeld finale on the guy where, like, everybody that he's wrong, everybody that he's tried to wrong others with is going to show up and bury him further. Oh, my God. Hilarious. Because, (laughs) yeah. Fake Pete Buttigieg sexual assault accuser. He tried to do a fake thing with Ilan Omar. They tried to do like she he, wasn't even in the primaries. <laughs> well, he she's an important was, Democrat, so we yeah, gotta so pull some shit. This yeah. one dude is always in the middle of these ridiculous bullshit things, and oh look, it's Jacob Wall. He's only been wrong seventy five times out of seventy five times, but surely this time he won't yeah. be full of shit. Has he ever tried to pull this shit on AOC? <laughs> I feel like it would just slide off her. Um, I don't think so. Like I don't think he's gotten to her yet. Um mm. but the way things are going, hopefully he'll be in prison and uh, won't be able to do shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think he was one of the people that tried to start the, you know, Bernie Sanders has three houses where 
He right, has a house right. in his home state. He yes. has an apartment in D.C. And he has his wife inherited a lake house that he's paying the mortgage on. Living large. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and, don't get me wrong. He's lucky. But that's also... But there is also this, the financial layout of the fact that he literally works out of town. Yeah, like... <laughs> you know? You know, owning a, a small lake cabin is not really that uncommon if you're relatively old in that part of the country. Like, mm. they've... More often than not, those things have been held in families for generations, and it's like, oh yeah, this was built in, you know, 1880, and it's been in my family forever, it sucks ass, and it's cold, but we can go out there, drink beer, and hunt, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And by every congressperson and senator has to have, unless they they literally live like right around there, they have to have an apartment or something for when Congress is in session, in addition to the home wherever they are originally from. Yeah, it's uh, it's just it, goofy. it was dumb. That whole thing's dumb. Like also the, um, apparently the other thing to be like, oh, Biden has chartered a train. And like, so they're doing this whole thing now, attacking him for that. And he had a he or someone on his staff had a good clap back on that. It basically said anyone can charter an Amtrak train, but as far as, as far as we know, nobody can charter the lawn of the White House for a political rally. Which you know, it was totally like illegal that Trump had his. Uh, Gave his RNC acceptance speech on the lawn of the White House. Yeah, and, and yeah, he's going on a trade tour because it's more economical than the taking buses everywhere. Well, plus, or more uh, emissions, whatever. It's better for the environment. But these plus, are the same people that attacked AOC for for having to take an airplane somewhere. And it's like, I mean, I, I guess he just wanted a fucking hitchhike. I mean, like. How dare AOC take up an airplane ride down to Hawaii? Why didn't she walk? You know, <laughs> right. As further extension, the last couple of weeks we've been talking also about QAnon getting booped off of stuff. Well, now apparently Patreon has started kicking off that canker sore and kicking people off that were raising money via Patreon for their probably now banned YouTube channels. So ah. that's fun. Like the only platform that still regularly gives a lot of these big fuckers their platform is Twitter, but most every other website is trying to take steps to combat and start to try to starve these uh these fuckers. Like all it took was Facebook, which is, you know, the biggest social media thing on the planet really, at least in the English speaking world. And so they made their steps and everyone else like, "Oh, we can do this too." Okay, Facebook did it first. Don't blame us. And so, <laughs> like, kick the crazies out, kick them off. Though at least this time, when approached about it, like the people at Q Anonymous were like, "Hey, by the way, we aren't Q promoters. We're Q investigators and like mockers. So please don't kick us off." And they're like, "Yeah, we we know." <laughs> so it's <was> just like <laughs> it's like the the PM and Doctor Who. It's like, yes, we we know who you are, <laughs> and. Well, because when Discord did their purge initially, they accidentally picked up some left wing people. Yeah, some anti QAnon servers and also banned all the users on it, too. Oh, So they had to go back and undo some bans for that situation. But yeah, that was uh, 
Patreon cutting off the the feed. Like, there's other platforms that people can use. Like, at least Patreon is gone, which was a short-lived right-wing Patreon replacement for people that have been kicked off of, H- of Patreon for being too right-wing and or hateful. Literally call themselves Patreon. Yeah, I can't believe they did that. But, I mean, honestly, props for truth in advertising. <laughs> so, needless to say... That mm-hmm. is good, and, you know, it's not going to stop them, but it's going to slow them down. Like, if you can't make a million dollars making up shit about blood-drinking vampire pedophiles in the deep, 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 deep state, literally under the surface of the planet, well, you might be encouraged to try something different and or maybe not be a qanon anymore. That won't stop many of them, especially people that have made their money on it. But for the casuals, you know, <laughs> that's the thing. It's like you want to slow, you know, slow de-radicalize the casuals by just cutting them off because, you know, your grandma's not going to go to to 8chan and whatever. And like mm-hmm. Apple and others uh, platform holders have been kicking off Q-related things from their web stores. And so it's like they're trying their best to, you know, shove the genie back in the bottle and or dissipate it. But... <sighs> You know, good good luck with that, right? Mm-hmm. So you linked a thing yeah. in your fuzz today, and I'm sure you read this story, because I know I did, about how an ethical hacker logged into Trump's Twitter account? Yeah. Uh, so apparently Trump has picked some fairly easy passwords to guess for his account, if you know anything about him. Like, you don't even have to know him personally or be particularly close. So in, in 2016... When he was running, and he was uh, still on The Apprentice at the time, his password was You're Fired. And uh, his password, uh, as of earlier today, before I'm sure it was changed, for his Twitter account was literally MAGA2020. Like, his his campaign slogan. I mean, I I was reaching when I thought it would be something like, Obama sucks. Or something like that, you know? Uh, but yeah, apparently, um, uh, God, I forgot what country it was in. It was uh, somebody overseas was able to log into Trump's Twitter account. And uh, they're an ethical hacker, so they did not take advantage of it. They reported it in the Netherlands. It was a Dutch hacker. Um, and I had no word on him officially changing his password, but there was a rumor that his... Uh, his intern team got him to enable two-factor authentication. So he didn't have two-factor authentication, and he had a really easily guessable password if you bother to try. And, uh, yeah, uh, he's lucky that somebody got it that was, uh, you know, not going to have any shenanigans or anything like that. But, um... And they reported it. But, you know, if someone went on there and made really inflammatory tweets, we wouldn't be able to tell the difference. <laughs> you yeah, know, so just one of those. Oh, he. Uh, if, like... if they went on there and went, you know, fuck North Korea, I'm launching a nuke right now. That could start a, a real panic and an international incident. But it also would not be unbelievable for, for Trump to tweet something like that. So it would just be like, oh. That's the that's the drugs talking. Yeah, I mean, it could. Uh, it, it was a situation where, in the wrong hands, that 
that Twitter account access could have, could have done real damage. Um, but the the guy did not do that. They, I guess, passed it along to whoever needs to handle that shit, and they got it taken care of. But like on one hand, anyway, yes, he did the ethical thing, but god damn it. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. They could have at least really got some give us something or... like. You know, just, I like piss in all caps or something. I don't know. A- anything. <laughs> P.A. do crimes. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> or that that one that you, um, the one that I've seen before, it's a, an edit of a tweet there where it's something like, it's not gay if the boy is cute, the dick just makes it better. <laughs> <laughs> God. Oh, so hey, look at that. We're like 50 minutes in and we've talked nothing but our political hellscape. That's amazing. Oh, I really knew I'd do that. But at the same time, it it is very much uh, at the forefront of the news today because some of this shit broke today. There is the debate is literally happening right now. My only hope for the debate is that Biden doesn't get Corona. We'll we'll see how that rolls because like i'm trying to not look at twitter because if i look at twitter i lose my train of thought because i'm trying to talk and do the podcast Mm -hmm. so you linked another thing too from the internet of shit where tesla's full service full self-driving beta like right we we talked about how elon musk Uh, is a giant dumbass yes let's see so That's... apparently it's just, the quote on the article is, using untrained consumers to validate beta-level software on public roads is dangerous. And I guess this is like a, an editorial uh, that this guy has written. But uh, yeah, they're, they want to roll out the full beta test of their self-driving vehicles on, uh, on the road. So uh, this local looks... non-highway streets. It's called yeah. They call it FSD, which I'm like, damn it! You're just you're you're taking like a good science fiction term, frame shift drive, and using your terrible fucking Tesla cars. But yeah, that sounds like I'm reading the article here, and it's on the verge. It's like just talking about what it does and it's like there's stark differences with how the fsd is presented to the drivers visual displayed on the instrument cluster look more like training footage from an autonomous vehicle with transparent orange boxes outlining parked cars and other vehicles on the road and icons that represent road signs the car's path is depicted as blue dots stretching out from in front of the vehicle and various messages pop up to tell the driver what the car is going to do such as stopping for traffic control in 75 feet like we don't live in a world where you can totally uh just sit in your car and drive to a place because you still have to monitor this shit. But now you have an incredibly expensive car with a very heavy battery that's very prone to, you know, exploding if you're in a car accident. Uh, self-driving and you're there in the seat. And like, yes, you are supposed to be paying attention. But mm-hmm. like these dumbass tech bros who put stock into Tesla like this are they're probably going to get themselves and other people killed by doing this. Um, there was a an article I saw that was about a, a follow-up on a wreck of a Tesla that, you know, the autopilot failed at a certain point and the guy, like, careened off a cliff or whatever. And it turns mm-hmm. out the driver was playing a game on his phone <clears throat> at the mm-hmm. time. Like, he wasn't paying attention, wasn't, you know, monitoring the autopilot. It just was just, yeah, it's autopilot. That's how it works, right? It just follows the road and it, not that advanced yet. In theory, yeah, but I mean, all this shit is still in beta testing, so he should have been paying attention. Yeah, so, uh, you know, be wary if you see uh, 
Tesla's on the road because there might be some fucker not paying attention and playing on mm. his phone and ah, that's I mean there could be the, the, there could be a driver pulling a tubin while, while in their Tesla yeah uh, you know given the old road jerk so that's yeah. that's exciting quotation fingers there's, there's all these cool science fiction ideas right like the most common being self-driving vehicles and flying cars and then you're like when you really think about it you're like wow we cannot be entrusted with this technology we are we are just too stupid to be able to handle that responsibly and it's you know we would uh, we, we we fuck shit up we can't make it a hundred percent there's there's too many variables and you know this is why we should never have time travel <laughs> We would we would just explode the universe, but yeah, and that and I mean, Musk is is just a cunt. You shouldn't fucking support anything this company is doing. Like he's just a rich asshole, and most of his ideas have been taken from other people that he just he just bought outright. Like, oh, that's a cool idea. I'm going to throw some money at it. Oh, fuck that guy. Yep. Fuck that guy so hard. Oh no, the Elon Musk stands are going to get up in our mentions. Whatever. Christ. So, shifting topics slightly, um, the the gamers are not at it quite again. So, oh, this okay. was something that I did not expect to see today, but also doesn't surprise me. So, uh-huh. are you familiar at all with Google Stadia, Fuzz? Yeah. Uh, this is like, wasn't this going to be like their Netflix for video games kind of idea? Kind of. And, and you could uh, you could play it anywhere, basically, and it would all be on the web, right? Yeah, you're you're streaming the gameplay from their data center to your device. Um, they sold a proprietary controller that you could use to play on devices or it would work with certain Google TV things. I forget what they're called. Chromecast? So, yeah, the Chromecasts, okay. which is funny because their most recent version of the Chromecast apparently doesn't support Stadia uh, out of the box, okay. which is weird. But it's a Google product. That'd be making an iPhone that doesn't year. support iOS. <laughs> yeah. And so today, Alex Hutchinson, who is listed himself as a creative director at Google Stadia, tweeted two things together that really didn't cause the internet to react very well. So he's like, streamers worried about getting their content pulled because they use music they didn't pay for should be more worried by the fact that they're streaming games they didn't pay for as well. It's all gone as soon as publishers decide to enforce it. The real truth is the streamers should be paying the developers and publishers of the games they stream. They should be buying a license like any real business and paying for the content they use. So the thing that sparked him talking about this today is that Twitch has been going back and telling people, hey, we've received various DMCA notifications about some of your VODs. Fix it. But they don't give you any tools to find and fix any of these things and expect their users to go back and do everything manually. But if they don't, Twitch will be like, well, oh, you didn't do it, so you've got a strike. Oh, you got another strike. And this is going for pretty much everybody uh, affiliates and or partners like there is a one guy who had like 10 years worth of vods and they told him oh there's a bunch of these these 
violations here that you need to fix before we shut you off your channel. And he was like, all right, well, I'm just going to delete 10 years worth of videos because you're not telling me how the hell I'm supposed to cut these offending parts out. And this was not because of music that was playing? And it was because of music. Yeah, like, oh, you you played some Uh. music, and then, like, just recently, Twitch has gotten really hard-assed about games that are, or songs that are played on the air. So Uh basically, don't play music that's not from the video game. And in most cases, like, there's even games that have included uh, copyrighted music, like Control. Uh, so, like, when you're streaming it, they actually built it in so that you can mute the radios so they don't oh, okay, something that'll good. get you get you boot. Because, yeah, the, the developers of the game probably paid a license for the music, but that doesn't extend to Twitch. So that's good. They give you the ability to turn it oh, off, yeah. I'm assuming. And in this case, it was the developer actually thinking ahead to people are going to stream this game and we want this to happen. So we're going to include this ability to turn off copyrighted music. Mm-hmm. And it tur- then you have this fucker, Alex Hutchinson turning around and going, no, actually you need to pay us a license. Like you have to pay ASCAP to play music at your event. Right. You need to have a business license to play video games on Twitch. Now, never mind the fact that the streamers are the ones that actually are, you know, having to deal with this shit, and the platform holders are the ones that own all this stuff that they're complaining about. Like, you know, if you want to get mad, get mad at Twitch. Don't expect, you know, someone like me who's hasn't gotten a payout on Twitch, I think, ever, uh, maybe once, and expecting me to pay a license because I've streamed, you know, Hades four or five times, or pay a license because I've played Battletech a half dozen times and like many of these people that even reach partner like uh, Casey Explosion like she was doing a stream earlier today of some game I not heard of but she was very positive about you know she's got Twitch partnership and she only had like 66 people watching her at the time so it's not like even Twitch partners and I you know put that in quotation fingers are these big 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 channels and so like this guy this Google Stadia guy is trying to basically make it so that oh basically what he wants is that the only way to stream games legally would be through something like stadia where you have to buy the game and then you have to pay to access the game as well like the core conceit of stadia was like oh we're going to make it super easy to stream things to to youtube and i don't think that really panned out for them but it's interesting that this guy is trying to come from that position when the other console makers basically have made it incredibly easy, at least yeah. both Microsoft and Sony, to stream from the console with integrated things. Like, because I thought the the producer's point of view was mostly that Twitch streaming was effectively advertising for them that they didn't have to pay for. Oh, it really is. And everybody was telling this person he was stupid and fucking wrong. Like, yeah. Because I know in the book industry, um, word of mouth is still the primary way that that books are sold, that that sales go up for books. And Twitch streaming is basically just electronic word of mouth for for the video game industry. Yeah. And, And yeah, so it seems really silly to not have that enabled or to say that, no, you have to pay to do this advertising for us. Yeah, it's just weird to see that 
come out of somebody who supposedly works in the industry or they work in the industry and they don't understand it. Like this is a guy who's worked on a number of video games. He previously worked at Ubisoft. He previously worked at EA. Like he worked on some pretty stinky games, all things considered, like Assassin's Creed 3 and Far Cry 3, like third sequel or second sequel games that weren't really that well received. So, you know, this guy's kind of failed upwards into being a creative director at Google. But, you know, even games like Night in the Woods that you and I played together and then put the LP onto YouTube, like we didn't play it optimally. We kind of split our time. So like there's plenty of stuff that we missed because we weren't being thorough enough that we were trying to get through the game rather than like get every single thing. So like we didn't get all the sketch pages. We didn't get all the interactions. Like because we split our time between both B and Greg, we didn't get all their story necessarily. We only got certain night stories. We didn't hang out with Jeremy at all. And so like there was plenty of things in that game. So us playing it is still transformative because we were talking and reacting to it. And our one playthrough was not the only playthrough of the game. So like it's, it's a lot different than, oh, you're just playing a movie. And even then, Amazon Prime Video, if you have Amazon Prime Video, you can do watch parties on Twitch with a selection of movies that Amazon has the rights to and watch that with people on your Twitch channel. So it's it's even like there's already methods in place that Amazon has paid the licensing rights to publicly perform for X number of people a selection of movies on Amazon Prime Video on Twitch. Forget, do they own Twitch or are they just in a business partnership with them? They own Twitch. Okay. It did start as, a, as its own company, right? Yeah, they it bought started it as, as uh, Justin.tv, which was oh, a right. okay. uh, business live streaming was the point, and then they switched they had Twitch as their uh, gaming subsidiary and then uh-huh. Twitch became way bigger and Amazon bought them. And then they shut down Justin TV as a name, made everything to Twitch. And now it's all video games, except it's not all video games anymore because they've added categories like creative or just talking, which is where people stream their podcasts. So also this past weekend was the uh, Oxford comma furry writing con that I've been talking about. And that was all done by a Twitch. Yeah, so, like, it's... Streaming is the future, in a way. Like, sharing shit collaboratively and uh, talking and sharing content that way. Like, so, Alex here just is rent-seeking and has been told that he is a, a giant butt, a stinky fart person who nobody loves. And then he logged off. So, let's see. So, he's sitting at... The first tweet of his sitting at 4,000 retweets with – or 4,000 replies with 4,200 quote tweets and 5,000 likes. And his follow-up, the real truth that streamers should be paying developers, is sitting at 14,300 replies with 15,200 quote tweets. And the top request that I see is HBOMR guy saying, I'd quote tweet you, but I'm afraid you'd ask for royalties. Like, even I, in my, like, shitty tiny YouTube channel, would get codes for games. And I still occasionally get offers like, hey, do you want a code for this game? Or, hey, a reminder, my game is coming out on Steam soon. And they're just sending it out to, like, everybody under the sun. And it's like, do you want to get a code for Dong Fumbler, the RPG? And it's like, no. Like, From I don't, Tubin Studios? Yeah, it's like, I don't, I don't 
want to take codes from people because like I'm this absolute nobody on Twitch that you're giving me a mm. game code would not get you any sales. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, but like, you know, for indie devs, they just want their name out there and they want to be able to point and say, look, somebody streamed our games and they had fun with it. Technically, yeah. you're doing work for them unpaid when you're doing a video, even if they've given you their $20, $15, whatever indie game. It's this weird little gray area where it's like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'll play your game and give it a good faith look. But if I have a good time and it turns out that it's fun and people see that, like giving a code to a streamer can translate into a lot of sales. Um, that's how Among Us got super popular again and how they actually the developers canceled the sequel that they were working on and are trying are now going back and rolling all the expected changes that they're working on for the sequel into the base game because now it's suddenly super popular even though the original game came out like two years ago uh the phantasmophobia which is a first person slash vr ghost hunters TV show style game is made by this small group of people and janky as hell, but because it's a collaborative, scary game this time of year, it's gotten super huge on Twitch.com because people are streaming it. It's a game that does really well for streaming because you have it's a scary game. And so people like going, ha, huh, and jump scares. It's it gets butts and seats, eyes on your product, and gets people being like, shit, I need to try that. So even if you're not paying rent like these fuckers want us to do like you're still doing basically you're kind of doing work for the company by just having fun with their game and saying this looks like fun maybe i should try it oh look it's only like 15 dollars on steam well shit i got 15 bucks and then they have another sale yep so and video they, games they take all your money and you never played them <laughs> so in sad news oh uh oh, sad news Unfortunately, yes, sad news. The amazing Randy, James Randy, uh, has died. I Homie guess. was 92. Okay. So, I mean, he had a uh, good long life, and he <laughs> I want to be cremated, he said, and I want my ashes blown in Uri Geller's eyes. So, Homeboy made it to 92, made his bread and butter uh, debunking paranormal claims and like faith healers and the like like i think you posted a tweet where it was like pin eulogizing him or something like that fuzz or someone posted uh, it I'm, I'm not sure I'm, I'm not at all surprised that pen would they were friends uh um, yeah they were part of the they were both part of like the new atheist kind of movement a few years ago and like yeah he was really into that so, uh so you know that that was a movement that had some some good points and some bad points, but you know, like you said, he'd been working for years to debunk a lot of the bullshit that was out there. You know, you know, I'm actually I'm sure curious if he uh, was involved in combating the satanic panic at any point. Oh, that's a that yeah, it might. I don't know. The reason I ponder that is because, like I mentioned last week, that I hammered my brain with the entirety of that uh, uncovered CBC Satanic Panic series about all the bullshit that happened in Canada, or in yeah. one specific case in Canada. And then I went through and listened back on the You're Wrong About series for Michelle Remembers. Yeah, yeah. Which, it's amazing how a book so deeply stupid flawed and unethical could have damaged thousands and thousands of lives and left its stupid scars 40 years later 
it's really astounding. It's a five-part series on You're Wrong About. It came out a few months ago. and Part of what they were calling their Pandemic Book Club. I had only heard of the book in passing, and hearing about what was going on in the book and how they wrote it to make themselves out to be these, you know, these crusading heroes that were fighting the Satanists in their midst. And it was this completely ludicrous stuff like, oh, you know, she was kidnapped and kept in a cage full of snakes and uh, they grafted a tail and horns onto her, but the Virgin Mary healed her. And there was lots Mm -hmm. of chopped up white kittens and dead babies and it was like all this shit that later became the boilerplate satanic panic bullshit was in this book from 1980 and just mutated into everything that we saw in the 80s and early 90s because like the canadian case didn't wrap up until i think 92 or so Mm. and so like this one shitty book damaged 15 plus years of people's existence and then lots of them even more for the prison sentences that got handed down that were later overturned yeah Yeah, i I recommend go giving that a list i would say it's not really a cool thing but it's certainly a very interesting thing and like being aware of how these kinds of moral panics start i think is important to know how you can combat them when you encounter them because like knowing how things have gone will help give you kind of a roadmap towards how things might go in the future like the QAnon stuff is just the most recent iteration of stuff that's been happening since well before that but you know like we can trace things all the way back to that that's 40 years ago that's still making an impact you know the secret satanic pedophile cults that are sacrificing children and drinking their blood and all that shit like was just made up by a woman with deep issues in a psychiatrist's office in the late 70s. And the other fucked up thing that's not talked about in the book is that the two people that were involved in the book, the titular Michelle and the doctor that she worked with, eventually left their respective partners and got married. Oh, of course they did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's fun. There was uh, a lot of grooming in uh, in that relationship, a lot of unethical practice on the part of the doctor. Yeah, like this guy in... 2020 hindsight would have lost his fucking license. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely, for sure. Or should have. Um, but yeah, that was my uh that was sort of not really a cool thing, but certainly it was very interesting for me to kind of hammer into my brain this last week cuz it's it's fascinating and frustrating that like something so deeply stupid and obviously fake still had so much power. Well, I mean, you know, at the time, like there's no internet. It's yeah. just the occasional nightly news, a book that is suddenly selling really well. And again, word of mouth. A lot of people talking about it, a lot of your friends and neighbors, and then suddenly you start. It's sort of like when you start hunting for a new car and you have your eye at a particular model and you start seeing that car everywhere and it seems kind of weird. And yeah. if you read this book, you suddenly start seeing the signs everywhere and it's just how the human brain works and so yeah i could totally see how you know i mean and we're still dealing you know not that the internet has actually helped that because QAnon and the flat earther thing is has really exploded here online god 
You know, I at least have to commend that one flat earther in Utah who really put his money and everything else where his mouth was because oh, it impacted the shit. earth at 300 miles an hour. Yeah, yeah, the dude <laughs> that, that built a rocket and somehow had enough knowledge to know rocketry and like, hey, it, it took off, you know, and he'd done it multiple times. So, you know, he only got killed on, obviously, the last one. He had tried it before, and like, so he knew enough about rocketry to take off and land without killing himself. And that, that just that seems time. so weird to also be a, like, flat earther, you know? <laughs> yeah, he, he uh, was a flat earther until he himself was very, very flat and in the earth. Yeah. Uh, so Tyrion actually linked to me a um, super interesting video that is... Uh, it's interesting, but it's honestly kind of depressing. But it's it's called "In Search of a Flat Earth." It's on YouTube. It's it's like an hour and a half long, and like like the first third of it is about how like 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 flat earthers online, how they go about trying to debunk anything that proves that the Earth isn't flat and stuff like that, um, and then how the flat Earth thing. Then after the the first third of it or so, Guy points out that flat earther movement has largely started to go away because they all went to QAnon. <laughs> and then the last two thirds of the video is all about QAnon and how fucked up it is, and uh, it, it 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 goes into like a, an ex. It's it's like a horrifying Ken Burns documentary. I mean. Um, it's it's very interesting. Look look it up on YouTube. It's not pro Q or pro flat Earth. Obviously, it's it's debunking it. It's weird, and like QAnon is just like the big amalgamation of all the shit at once. Like it's got everything: flat Earth, aliens, hollow Earth, um, mm-hmm. fake governments, JFK Jr. coming back from the grave. Like there was a a thing that was going around that oh jfk jr well obviously he's very fucking dead but like there was a thing they're like oh donald trump is having a rally in dallas on the 17th and is going to announce that jfk jr is replacing mike pence who is a satanic clone by the way as uh, his (laughs) vice president and obviously that did not happen uh that he did not have a rally in Dallas on that day, and JFK Jr. is still very assuredly dead. But, like, you know, they have these weird little inter intergroup fights about, like, oh, well, this is true. Well, no, this is true. And, like, well, Q said this. Well, I have this drop that says otherwise, and blah, blah, blah. So, like, they don't even have their own shit together. They don't, it's not like some unified front. They're, like, weird – it's like a weird factional religion, really. I, I will say – one thing that I think is is possible is that Mike Pence is some sort of weird Stepford man because he gives off those creepy "I'm an alien in a skin suit" beep boop. Oh kind no, of he's a <laughs> he's like the cockroach guy from Men in Black. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh, more sugar in water. So let's let's shift to some cool like our cool things for the week because we're like an hour 17 on the raw um have you watched anything fun this week have you had anything good happen like 
I think this episode hasn't been doomy or gloomy, but we've talked about a lot of heavy shit. Um, right, what have right. you watched that has been fun and or good? Um, so I've been pretty wrapped up in depression this week. And so the only fun and good things I'm watching is I am, I am wrapping myself up in the comfort of childhood and early adulthood by watching shit I've already watched a million times. And I've been getting through my days via Voyager playing on Netflix on my laptop while I do my day job. <laughs> so okay. the, I haven't even watched the new season of Kipo uh, yet uh, because it's going to need uh, to get all three of us, uh, me, Tyrion, and Ajax, available at the same time to do so. Um, maybe we can do that this weekend. But, yeah, yeah, I no, haven't had I, a chance... Uh, I kind of got shit. I mean, the the online writing convention was good. Um, it went really well. You know, any technical hiccups that they have were had were, were overcome um, fair, fairly easily. the The chair and the team did a really good job with putting it all together. And uh, it was. <laughs> I attended more writing panels this past weekend than I have in like five years of con going. Uh, because I, I rarely get to go to a lot of panels because I'm usually dealing or something. Um, but yeah, that, that went quite well. Uh, it was Oxford comma and uh, furrywritersguild.com. So, you know, check that out. Uh, they're working on getting all of their the recordings of the panels up on YouTube. I don't know what their um, YouTube is because they haven't set one up yet. But they're working on that. There is also the VODs on their Twitch channel, which their Twitch channel is Fur Riders Guild. So I don't know if the, the VODs are still up there, because I think they, they're they only up there for like a limited time. But um, if they All are... these panels are going to be online and viewable. So if you were not able to watch this weekend, you can, uh, you can catch up on what you missed. Very cool. Well, uh, the only really cool thing that i've watched it's like i've started watching the current season of great british bake-off which uh was you know very pleasant very british they they did cakes the first week and uh the other thing is that panther and i watched the entirety of the first season of the his dark materials series the hbo did with the bbc that has um like lin-manuel miranda we watched the first season of that it was like on sale for 10 bucks and uh it was a Pretty interesting watch. Oh, like, is this, this is the thing that Matt Lucas is in, played Nardole on Doctor Who that I was telling you about? Um, I'm not sure. I'm going to look him up on IMDb. Bald gay guy with glasses? Uh, yeah, he's in it, but no, not his okay. Dark Materials books. I wanted the IMDb. Well, the author of those is Philip Pullman. Yeah, but I'm talking about the actors on the show that just oh, came out okay. anyways uh yeah we watched the the first series the first season it's like eight episodes right um yeah and each one's about an hour and it's basically just hey here's the first book and a little bit of the second uh to kind of like parallel the characters meeting up i'm not super familiar with the book series like i watched the original movie that came out in like 2005 or 07 yeah. But Same. that was apparently uh, not a very faithful adaptation and ultimately didn't have its sequels finished because the Catholics got uppity about it. 
all things considered, it's a very interesting watch. So it's like if you're familiar with the, if you're familiar with the books, you really enjoy it. But if you're unfamiliar, like it's not a super action packed series. There's lots of like character interaction, but it's all about Lyra trying to get back to her uncle Azrael, um, with like the Magisterium doing some real dark evil shit. Like if you're not familiar with the series at all, the uh, the conceit of the world is that in this world, it's basically the the stories are set in modern day, even though modern day for us, you know, 2020, 2019 UK is very different than 2020 Brighton or whatever, the original, the world that Lyra's in, because there's it's mm-hmm. a parallel universe series story to begin with, is that in the story you start out with, like everybody has a demon, which is basically their soul as an animate critter that walks beside you in the form of an animal. Yes. Um, and like Lyra's starts as like a stoat and there's people that have birds and dolphins. And there's one very unfortunate character who's uh demon settled. Cause once you hit puberty, your demon settles into a final form, um, mm-hmm. who's uh, settled as a butterfly. And that makes her very easy to kill because in this universe, if your demon dies, so do you, if your demon gets right. hurt, so do you, you get Ooh. hurt, your demon gets hurt. So it's like, it's like there's some very vulnerable people here. The the guy you were talking about, Fuzz, the bald creepy dude, like his is a bug of some sort, which I'm like, oh, you if you go outside and it's raining a bit hard, rain hits your demon and you just fucking die. It's like God. don't yeah. don't overthink it too much. But mm. it, it's a good watch and it's HBO, so it has production value. Um and it was on sale for like ten bucks on Apple, so Panther picked it okay, up and cool. we watched it. It was pretty fun. Um, I'm actually very tempted to actually pick up the books myself at this point because in addition to the trilogy, there is two bridging stories and now there's a second trilogy being written by him. Yeah. It's like about a that. prequel called like the books of dust. I think it is. So it's like 20 bucks to get all three books on Kindle or less than that. If you want the physical paperbacks in like a box oh, set hey. on Amazon. So it's like, huh? I'm, I'm, I'm. I might pick up a physical book for the first time in a while, right? Uh, cool. Uh, the original books they came out when I was a teenage teenager, like near the peak of my reading, but I just never got that series. I was mm-hmm. reading like the the Pern novels and D and D novels and uh, the Belgariad and that was David and Lay Eddings books. So it's like I was reading the hell out of books, but I just missed that series, you know. Or it's like, I never read any of the Warrior Cats books or the uh, Gahul books, and I was a little too old, I think, at the time for the Animorphs books. But there was a bunch of other shit that I read, you know? Yeah. Um, like, I, I I was aged out of Animorphs, um, so I, I, I never read those, but I feel like it had to be, like, a really pivotal book series for a lot of people that later became furries. So oh, I've seen yeah. a lot of furries refer to Animorphs as a, as a big um, influence on them. And the author of those books, Kay Applegate, is not a massive piece of shit, is very supportive right. of the trans community, and uh, has yep. all the books online for you to read for free, I think. Yep. So... And apparently, at the time, people gave her shit about the ending of the last one, because apparently not everybody lives or something, and she basically defended her decision because not everyone gets a happy ending. Basically. War fucking sucks. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It was a war type thing, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it's apparently one of those series that's like, oh, it's made for children, but it's actually kind of dark in a lot of ways. 
I heard about at least one character gets trapped in their animal form for an extended period of time, and it's uh, kind of a nightmare for them. Yeah, like, it, it has some bad end stuff. Like, not gonna lie. Uh, yeah. Characters die. It's a war story. And yeah, like you said, they, uh, you know, characters get fucked up and die. And that's war. You know, even because it's a kid series, it's not supposed to be a happy ending all the time. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's just uh, plenty, of, plenty of good stories out there. And like, I, I might just have to pick up that series because like HBO's producing the rest of the series as a show in conjunction with the BBC, as far as I know. So I might want to read the books so that I'm well, more well-informed when watching the actual show, because mm-hmm. there was yeah. a lot of stuff that like kind of went over my head and I had to go and like read the Wikipedia article on it and like, Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Because you know, they're condensing a fairly lengthy book and part of the second, like the introductory chapters of the second into essentially eight hours, which is still way better than the two, like 90 minutes of the film that came out in 07, but still condenses a lot of the shit from Mm -hmm. the actual reading of the book. So, yeah. And in other news, the Animaniacs uh, reboot on Hulu is coming in November 20th. I'm kind of excited. That looks like it might be fun. Definitely more your generation than mine. Yeah, uh, that was like 93, 94, so... Like, like, I remember watching Tiny Toons um, to a point. uh, Never got into Animaniacs. You know, Um, I was real big into Animaniacs, real big into... uh, Like, I did watch Tiny Toons. Definitely a big fan of Pinky and the Brain. Never Uh, watched that either. I remember watching Pinky and the Brain with my dad. He thought that was a fun show. But like, also, they had bits on, on Tiny Toons, right? And then yeah. they had their own show as well. Yeah, yeah I remember the by Tiny enough. Toons. Mm. And uh, that was uh, Maurice LaMarche as the brain. And I think they got him back. Like, they got all their people back to do uh, a, at least a two-year season or two seasons on Hulu. Mm-hmm. Um, like in their promotional thing, they're like, we have amazing new contracts. And they, like, they shows them signing a two year contract or two season contract. And also apparently they were born in 1930 and then they died in 1998. So they're like 68 years old, except now they're probably 69. Nice. Nice. So that's exciting. Uh, you know, there were some gamers upset. Well, not gamers, more like the, the bad nerds mad because uh-huh. there's like a, a trump character at one point where he's portrayed as like the cyclops from the odyssey but uh-huh. people are like oh why is animaniacs getting political and people had to be reminded that bill fucking clinton was in the intro of the original <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah and, and they did like a two and a half minute segment pinky and the brain making fun of al gore as eeyore and they use al gore to float away because he's full of hot air and wow here a little bit later in life that seems like no al gore was not actually hot full of hot air about the environment whoops but Mm. you know not everything's gonna land here 20 years later but still like it's actually 22 because what 1998 was the last year that that aired so yeah that was 22 years ago jesus christ but i'm excited animaniacs was my jam and like even if it's the nostalgia reboot i'll still probably enjoy it i'll just have to find a way to watch it hey fuzz you have hulu right <laughs> uh i'm using h axis oh well uh, he has it via his uh, disney plus uh subscription it's it's 
trading all the way down. Yep. <laughs> so I think we should probably wrap it up, Fuzz, because we're at 90 minutes on the Raw. Okay. And it's also 10 o'clock at night because, you know, we got to get up early so we can get on those work Zoom calls and jack it. You know, go to yeah. then. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for sticking with us throughout all this bullshit. Uh, if you made it to the end of the show, give yourself a gold star. Crack a beer. If you're in Texas, the Shiner seasonals for both fall and winter are in the store right now. I had to go to the grocery store, and they have the Shiner Holiday Cheer as well as the Shiner Cold Front, which is their uh, – the Holiday Cheer is their pecan beer. It's super fucking good. And they have their Cold Front, which is a cold brew, a s'mores beer, and something called the 1909, which is, like, based on their original beer recipe. Um, I haven't cracked the any of the those three, those last three yet, but I'm looking forward to it because fuck it. Why not? You know, when you can purchase a 12-pack of Shiner for the cost of, like, three Shiners at the Londoner, why not? So. I wish beer actually tasted the way it advertises, like... It really is an acquired taste, and sometimes the acquired taste is you just hating yourself enough. That's like IPAs, they suck. But that is a matter of opinion. Yeah, yeah, I just never developed a taste for it, I guess. <laughs> uh, so you can find us on the internet at SouthPawsCast on Twitter. You can find us SouthPawsCast at gmail.com. You can find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash SouthPawsCast. You can find uh, me on Twitter at Saverin Drake. You can find me on Twitch at Saverin. I post pictures of my dog. I post pictures of food and recipe stuff. I, I tweet like an old person. Such is life. Um, <laughs> I, I tell Twitch that I will absolutely not be celebrating K-pop with my community. <laughs> Why not? They, uh, they, they are allies with us and um, the Juggalos. <laughs> it's just not my thing. I, I've never seen any of it, or you know, I know it's music, but a lot of it is the music videos. I've it's just them dang kids. Yeah, I, I guess <laughs> it's it's a thing. And it's a thing, I'm but not really not my thing. With it. Yep. Yeah, and that's okay. I'm, I'm so out of the loop. <laughs> well, that's okay, Fuzz. We're old. We're we're yeah. we're the gray muzzle contingent, don't you know? Oh, God, I know. <laughs> so. Where can people find you, Fuzz? And where can they buy books from you? Uh, go to forplanet.com to buy uh, physical mail-to-you merchandise. Go to baddogbooks.com to buy electronic you-must-download-this merchandise. Both those companies have Twitter accounts at forplanet at baddogbooks. You don't want to follow my personal Twitter. It's just a hellscape of, of political crap right now. But if you do... I'm at Fuzzwolf, but as always, I'm tempted to just, like, just burn it down and run away screaming. That's fair. So, yeah, as we uh, go mood. into, let's see, one, two, one, two, three, four, ten. I think Where, we have eight days of early voting left. It's the ah. 22nd. We have okay. not quite two weeks until the election. Yeah. Yeah. So we have one more show before the election, and then we have the fifth, where mm -hmm. hopefully we've not all descended into anarchy. But Yeah, I would say if you haven't voted yet and you have the option to vote early, definitely vote early. Vote on the day if you absolutely have to. But I only had like eight people ahead of me on the day that I voted, which was the first day of early voting in Texas. Ajax, I think he said he had like a two-minute wait when he yeah. voted. 
It was very so, quick for us. Yeah, it's um, it's probably going to be the fucking nightmare of long waits on the actual day of the of, of the election. So, um, yeah. my advice would be to vote early if you can. Please, please, please. All right. So, on that note, good night. And fucking vote.